Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Hey, take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke 29. Today is called Palm Sunday. Why is it called Palm Sunday? All right, it's called Palm Sunday because they threw palm branches in the road. What else did they throw in the road before Jesus? They're clo- Why don't we call it Clothes Sunday? I think Palm Sunday works a little better, don't you? Palm Sunday, when Jesus came down and he arrived in Jerusalem and he was fulfilling some of the scriptures, and we're going to look today at, at three things that Jesus did that we need to incorporate into our life, but But we also want to just be overwhelmed and awed at who Jesus is. Because once we see who he is, and then we see what he did for us, he did this for us, it's amazing. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be honored and glorified by our worship of your Son. You said that everybody of all languages and nations and tribes and everybody around the world, living and dead, everybody will uh, recognize Jesus as Lord. But you also said that if we don't do it in this life, then when we do it in the life to come, it's in judgment. I pray that if there's any here who have not trusted Christ, they would do so today to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive their sins and be their savior as these have done that were baptized this morning. They gave testimony that they have trusted Christ. So if there are any here who have not yet trusted Christ, I pray that they would do so even this very day. For those of us who have trusted Christ, I pray that you would convict us of our sin. I pray that you would correct us in our paths. And I pray that you would encourage us in the truth of Scripture And I pray that we would worship the Lord Jesus Christ with sincerity and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look in Psalm 19, and we're going to start out in verse number 28. Psalm 19 and verse 28. It says, And when he had said this, that's Jesus, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now, he's going a little south. What? What did I say? (laughs) Luke 19. What are you doing in the Psalms, you silly people? You should have known what I meant to say, right? Luke 19. Sorry. If you find verse 28 in Psalm 19, get a new Bible. It ends in verse 14, okay? Okay. Luke 19, verse 28, when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, "Uh, go into the village opposite you where you will enter, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So uh, just to give you a little picture so you can help orient yourself, I drew a little map, okay? 
So here we have Jerusalem, and then you're going to see uh, Bethpage and Bethany and the Mount of Olives and the journey Jesus took. Now, doesn't that help? <laughs> right now, you don't know whether the Mount of Olives is a thousand miles from Jerusalem or right at the edge of town. So uh, to give you a little perspective, let's bring in the map of Casa Grande. Uh, see, cities were smaller back then. Jerusalem at this time of year, the time of the Passover, Jerusalem was overflowing. Uh, they, it's estimated that as many as 200,000 people came into Jerusalem about the time of the Passover. And it was a small town. You see it on the map there. Uh, uh, on the right side of your map, uh, you'll see uh, I-10. And on the far left, uh, just past uh, north. Uh, up and a little to the left of Jerusalem is Safeway. And uh, see, it's, this, this is not a big territory. And the city of Bethpage and the city of Bethany, uh, Bethany was a little bit larger, but Bethpage was smaller than Chewy Chew. How many of you have ever been to the suburb of Casa Grande called Chewy Chew? Uh, yeah, it, it's not very big. I think they had a boom in the last two years, and they now have more than 400 people living in that area. So it's been a boom town lately. Um, but anyway, uh, we have uh, just little bits and pieces. So I want you to picture from the Mount of Olives. Now he comes down from the Mount of Olives and then back up into Jerusalem. And there's a couple hundred thousand people in the area. And Jesus is coming down. And it's not like a huge long distance. Uh, from the temple to uh, the Mount of Olives, the, the peak of the mount was just a, a, a little over a mile, some say a mile and a half. Some of you have been there, you've walked there. I haven't, but you guys have, some of you. And, and so it's not a big distance. But imagine all those people. Now, how long would it take Jesus to get from the temple, I'm sorry, from the Mount of Olives, up toward the temple. A mile to a mile and a half, riding on a donkey that had never been ridden, mobbed by people all around, cheering and chanting. I mean, they were cheering so loud, it was like sitting next to Ben Qualls when Georgia won the championship, right? <laughs> they, they were going crazy, yelling, cheering, and it wasn't a big, huge difference. There's more people in Walmart at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning than there would have been in Bethany and Bethpage, perhaps combined. But going down toward Jerusalem, there's lots and lots and lots of people. But on the way, Jesus sends them probably into Bethpage to get the donkey and, and they get ready to go. Uh, we don't know. It doesn't specify in Scripture which of the two villages he sent somebody to get the donkey. Uh, but uh, since Bethpage was right on the way, then it might have been that one. Uh, and they went in and they just walked up and took a donkey. Now, it, when God tells you to do something, you do it. And so Jesus told them to do something and they did it. And they walked up and they took the donkey. And I, I know they were thinking, I hope no one's looking. I hope no one's looking. And then somebody's looking, the owner, and he says, what are you doing with my donkeys? And what do they say? The Lord had need of him. 
God had already prepared that man's heart to let the Lord have the donkey and let the Lord uh, come, uh, use them and ride into Jerusalem. So uh, he comes in and now this is called the triumphal um, entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Uh, so our title today is Christ Triumphant. Christ Triumphant. He rules and he reigns and he comes in and someday we'll be part of that group that is worshiping the Lord. All people and all tribes who've ever trusted Jesus Christ, some of them will be eight feet tall and some of them won't even be four feet tall and we'll all be worshiping him and celebrating him and cheering because of him because he has transformed our lives through our faith in him. I actually, when I was a kid, met a man who was like eight foot six. He, he, was, he went around preaching. He called himself Goliath for Christ. And, you know, I was a short little kid, so I, his shoes were like this big. But, but he was this, he, and I had a picture, I don't know what happened to it, of my dad, who was 5'10", standing next to this guy, and it looked like an adult man with his little boy standing next to him because the height difference was so dramatic. And but he was a great big guy, and we'll see him in heaven. And, and I'll see my dad again in heaven. Those who have trusted Jesus Christ go to be with him. But, but imagine being in that city and the yelling and, and it going on and on. And now look at some of the things that are going on. Verse 32, so those who were sent went their way and found it as he said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? They said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt, their jackets, their, you know, if it was in our culture, they'd throw their jackets and sweaters on there to build up a cushion for him. And, and then they set Jesus on it. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, all right, we're not as many people as they had, but we might be mouthier people than they had. And we're going to say this really loud. Now, here's the condition. You don't have to keep pace with anybody. I don't think they had cheerleaders up there saying, you know, give me a B, give me an... Uh, they, they just said it. They just shouted, blessed is he who comes... In. All right? So that's what we're going to do. You see the verse, the words there in verse 38. After the word saying, we're all going to say that really loudly, okay? If you can read it there, say it with me. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Imagine the joy. They, they thought the, right now, they weren't looking at it quite the right way, and we'll look at that in, a, in just a little bit, but they were rejoicing in him. And I want you to see something here, okay? Jesus' entire life and ministry was funneled through something that we need to remember, being true to God's word. Being true to God's word. All the time in the scripture, it says, Jesus did this that it might be fulfilled. This happened that it might be fulfilled. 
being true to God's word. That's something Jesus did. He repeatedly fulfilled the scripture in his life and ministry, living out the truths of God's word. He is the living word because he lived out the written word completely and, and perfectly. So in Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Long before the birth of Christ, the prophet wrote a description of that ride from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. Jesus was fulfilling scripture. Psalm 118 verse 26 said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed. Uh, rejoicing. The one who comes in the name of the Lord. See, it's, it's, they're fulfilling the scripture. I'm not even sure that all the people there knew they were fulfilling the scripture. But Jesus knew. And he was fulfilling it exactly as they had said. Now, as a follower of Jesus, you also are called to be true to God's word, with or without the coffee, right? True to God's word. A lot of people like to have coffee with their devotions, and, and that's okay. I, th I think, you know, if you feel like you need coffee, you, you might have a problem. Paul said, I don't want to be brought under the power of any. Um, so we had donuts after the work day yesterday, but if you woke up this morning thinking, I got to have a donut, you, you might have an issue, okay? So we are called to be true to God's word, as Jesus did, and now you can't do it like Jesus did. You are called to fulfill God's word, to fulfill his word. Now, I want to turn to a passage. I want you to. So if you can, mark your spot here and then turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And, and what I'm doing is taking a short detour to help us understand what it means to live out the truths of God's Word. So uh, if you look up here on the screen, I'm going to share three words that we need to do to look at and learn from God's Word. The first is to study. We need to study. We need to learn what it says. We need to see it. Someday when you stand before the Lord, one of the criteria for your judgment is your knowledge of Scripture and how well you lived up to it. Secondly, is to submit to the Word of God. God is in charge. He rules and He makes the rules. We don't. So we need to submit to Him. And thirdly, we need to share it. God doesn't want you to just get really knowledgeable about Bible stuff. He wants you to share it, be involved. Those of us who teach and preach in our church, we know that we grow because we're studying. We grow because we're teaching and preaching. And, and so we're learning more because we're preparing to be able to communicate it with others. Study, submit to it, and then share it with other people. So now in this detour, you're going to help me help us all understand what it means to live out the truths of God's word. Okay, I have some limited questions here. All right, from only Ephesians 5.33, only that verse, husbands, what do you need to give your wives? Husbands, I can't hear you. 
What do you need to give your wife based on Ephesians 5.33? Love. Love. All right. Same verse. Wives, what do you need to give your husband? Reverence or respect from that same verse. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, reverence or respect your husband. Now, why did he say husbands love your wives and he didn't command the wives to love their husbands? It's simple. Guys are just so easy to love. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't not love us, right? Right, Ed? They, they can't not love us, right? right? Uh, no, the truth is, God pointed out the thing that might be the most difficult for you to do. Husbands, love your wives. And elsewhere it says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives, respect your husband as unto the Lord. You submit as unto the Lord. And so he's raising the bar on our behavior. Uh, and that's just one way we live it out. All right, another verse from Ephesians chapter 6. There's two verses, 2 and 4. So in Ephesians 6, 2, kids only, younger kids uh, I mean, non-adult kids. Uh, what do you need to give your parents? Honor. You need to honor them. You need to show respect to them. Now, you need to obey them. You need to love them. But you need to honor them, even if they're not honorable. Now, I, when my dad was in the state legislature, he was called the Honorable Jim Green. And then when he became a judge, he was again called the Honorable Jim Green. But in between those two things, he was a school principal. And while he was a school principal, I wrote a letter addressed to him, and I wrote it to the formerly Honorable Jim Green. <laughs> Dad loved it. Mom was really mad. <laughs> but, but we show honor and respect. That's what we're supposed to do. And by the way, adult kids you still have to honor your parents. You don't always have to appreciate everything about them, but you have to show honor toward them. Some parents are, do not behave in an honorable way at all, but you can honor them because you honor the Lord Jesus Christ and you're obeying him. So you look for ways that you can honor them. All right, from Ephesians 6, 5, employees, only, you can only answer this one if you have a job, okay? If you're retired, you can't answer this one. Employees, how should you work on the job? Uh, from Ephesians 6, 5 and 6, how should you work on the job? What? Singleness of heart? Yeah. If you look at the whole thing together, you're supposed to work on the job as if you were serving Christ. So Amanda, I know your boss, you're supposed to serve him as if he were Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, yeah, uh, Megan, I know your boss. You're supposed to, okay? You're supposed to serve as if that person were Jesus himself. You do it for Christ. All right, now, if you're a supervisor or a manager, look at verse 9. How should you treat your team? Let me give you a hint. The same way. The same way. So, Amanda's boss needs to treat her the same way. 
Why? Because we're living out the scripture. See, the Bible doesn't just show us the way of salvation. Praise God that it does, but that's not all it shares with us. It doesn't just show us the path to heaven by believing and trusting Jesus Christ. It shows us a lot of other things. It's filled with wisdom from God that can make your life more rewarding right now. For instance, there's warnings against drinking alcohol or overeating. How many problems have happened in our culture because of alcohol consumption and overeating? A lot of health problems. There's encouragement to be men and women of character and integrity. There's a challenge to fear God and keep his commandments. These are throughout the scripture. There's teachings that help us make wise choices and and do right things. Now, unfortunately, some people reject the truths of Scripture. Here's some advice one man gave to the leaders of his denomination. Now, our church is a Baptist church, but we're a non-denominational. We're an independent Baptist church. In in the book of Revelation, when Jesus wrote his letters to the churches, he said, I'm going to come and deal with you. I'm going to deal with you directly. He didn't say, I'm going to send the Senate or the board or, or even one of the apostles. John was still alive. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to sick John on you. He said, I'm going to deal with you. And so our church believes we answer directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. That puts more responsibility on the members of our church. See, if I died today, and and it'd be okay, I'd be in heaven, I'd be fine, pray for Kathy, but uh, if I died today, this church has the responsibility of seeking out a new pastor and and, and that. There, There isn't a, oh, you call the denomination and they send you the next guy. Uh, so there's more responsibility on the members of this church. But anyway, this guy was in a denomination that's around the world. That, and here's what he wrote, his advice to the leaders in his church. By refusing to welcome abortion, divorce, and homosexual marriage, the church is out of step with the beliefs and practices of its spiritual consumer base. He adds that a supermarket would go out of business if it so consistently ignored what its customers wanted to hear. Now that man professes to be a Christian, professes to be a follower of Jesus, and ignores the very words of Jesus and the words of God in the scripture. We are commissioned to call our culture to repent, not to say, God just wants you to feel loved. God does want you to feel loved, but you won't feel it till after you repent. And so we need, they need to trust Christ. We need to correct our lives to scripture, not to change our message to appeal to more people. And yet that's what's happening in our world. Some of the fastest growing churches in the world are not actually teaching the truths of God's word. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some large churches that are good, solid biblical churches. But there's also a lot of them who are just focused on making people feel good, making people happy, and they're not teaching the truths of God's word. So when Jesus devoted his life to being true to God's word and then commissions us to live true to God's word, they're ignoring the commands of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 39. Oh, back in Luke chapter 19. That helps. 
not Psalm 19, just clarifying. Luke chapter 19 and verse 32. Those who were sent went their way and found it just as he said, and then they loosed the colt, and then he was coming in, and in verse 38, all the people were shouting, a blessed to the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And then verse 39, some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. Now, there's a lot of people out there, thousands of people out there, and they're all yelling, and the Pharisees call to Jesus from the crowd, and they're yelling to be heard. And they say, teacher or master, they say, uh, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus didn't fit their ideal of the Messiah. But you know what we learn about Jesus here? That being, he is being okay with being misunderstood. He was being true to God's word, and he was being okay with being misunderstood. He wanted to see everybody get saved. But see, they had warped the truth. Instead of looking at what the scripture said about the Messiah who would come, who would die as a sacrifice for them, they ignored Isaiah 53. They ignored Psalm 22. They ignored some of the other scriptures. And they only looked at those ones that talk about Jesus taking charge. Well, he will come again and take charge. When he returns to earth, he's not coming as a suffering servant. He's coming as a conquering king. But when he came the first time, they, they only looked at part of the scripture. And they had this warped and distorted view. They only looked for what they hoped to see. They didn't look for the reality. They didn't compare their dreams to scriptures. They only listened to what the rabbis and elders said instead of what God's word says. And some Christians do that. I've heard people say, well, the Bible says or the Bible teaches. And then they say something that the Bible does not teach because they haven't actually read the Bible. They've only listened to what somebody said about the Bible. They called him master or teacher, but they didn't listen or learn from him. In fact, they're bossing him around or trying to. Rebuke your disciples. I think they were just jealous. Jesus was more popular than they were. And they, they were afraid because their power structure could be threatened. But you notice in verse 40, Jesus said, if the people are quiet, what's going to happen? Yeah, the stones will cry out. So I got a question for you. Are you smarter than a rock? Because a rock would praise Jesus if you're not. All of creation recognizes the lordship of Jesus Christ, except for some of the very people created in his own image. The world still wants Jesus to adapt to their desires. They, they, uh, I was listening to a message this last week, and this guy says, he said, uh, people see Jesus as a puppy-loving hippie dude in Birkenstock sandals. They do not see him as king and sovereign and ruler and judge of all the earth. 
they only see what they want to see. They misunderstood him, and they will misunderstand you when you follow Jesus according to Scripture. So if you're committed to attending church faithfully, some people will think you're a fanatic. If you go on vacation and still go to church, they'll think, wow, you're really a fanatic. If you give generously to the Lord instead of using the money for yourself, they'll think you're nuts. You might be nuts, but that's still the right thing to do, just to clarify. If, people, if you talk to people about their sins, some people will get offended. Now, here's the counsel we have from the life of Jesus and from the Word of God. Don't worry about whether people understand. Remember that God understands. And he perfectly understands every sacrifice you make for him because he's the king of sacrifice. He gave his son for you. So it's okay to be misunderstood on earth because in heaven, everybody in heaven understands every sacrifice you make for God and in his service. Now, in verse 41, we're going to look at a, a transition here, and, and Jesus is being brokenhearted, but not broken in spirit. So what's the difference between being brokenhearted and broken in spirit? Well, let's read these verses, and then I'll talk about it. Verse 41, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Jesus was weeping for them, saying, if you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation." Brokenhearted, but not broken in spirit. So here's the difference between the two. To be brokenhearted is to be stirred deeply within you. To, to have uh, this burden, this passion, this desire. Jesus wanted them to follow him, wanted them to believe in him, wanted them to trust him for salvation so that they could go live with him in heaven someday. But he wasn't broken in spirit. When you're broken in spirit, you quit. When you're broken in spirit, you give up. When you're broken in spirit, it's hopeless. Jesus felt burdened, but not hopeless. See, uh, later on in the scripture in Hebrews, it said, uh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He, he had that joy set before him. He could look beyond this painful moment. Now, I, I would ask you to raise your hands, but I don't want to embarrass anybody. But just think in your head about painful, emotional moments you have experienced this calendar year. Maybe this week. Well, 
Don't be broken in spirit. Look beyond this hurtful moment. You know, someday you're going to be perfect. Someday, Kathy Bird will realize Texas wasn't such a big deal when she gets to see heaven. And Texas will be forgotten. You see, someday we're going to just rejoice. Someday you're never going to struggle with sin. Someday you're never going to have any physical ailment. Someday you're going to have clarity of mind and heart. And so we look beyond these circumstances in this grind called life on earth. We look beyond this daily difficulties and we see the hope of Christ. And so Jesus was brokenhearted for them. But why was he brokenhearted? Because he saw their painful future because they were not trusting him. At that moment, he wept over the suffering of the people of Jerusalem. He knew his suffering was coming, but he took a moment to weep over their suffering that was also coming. His heart was broken for them, but he was not broken. He did not feel overwhelmed. He did not give up. He did not stop. He kept persevering. He kept taking one step after the other that eventually led toward the cross. He kept pressing forward to secure the salvation of all who are called and believe. Now, as a follower of Jesus... Is your heart broken by the future of those who are not following him? Are you more passionate about politics than about the lostness of people? Do you spend more time uh, praying about food and physical difficulties or praying for the souls of men and women and boys and girls who have not yet trusted Christ? And don't give up just because some people won't listen. Witness to others. I, I remember going to a hospital once <clears throat> down in Tucson, the VA hospital. <laughs> Spent a lot of time at the VA hospital the last few years. But I was down at the VA hospital in Tucson. I was visiting a guy. He was a, a friend of my sister's who lived up in Sholo, and he had a brain tumor. And so he was down in the VA hospital, and she asked me if I could go visit with him and witness to him, and I did. And I sat and, and I explained the plan of salvation to him and, and I talked with him. And when I was all done, I asked him if he would want to trust Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he said, no, I don't think I do. I don't think I'm ready. I said, okay. As I was leaving the room, a guy in the bed next to his, it was a room that had six beds, a guy in the bed next to his said, I was listening to what you said. I want to trust Christ. And I got to talk with him and pray with him, and he received Christ as his Savior. A couple months later, Oliver was back in the VA hospital because he now had cancer. And he called for me. And I came in and he said, I want you to go over it again. And I opened the scripture and shared with him how he could trust Christ. He said, I need to. And he trusted Christ as his Savior. The irony is, when I don't know who was serving as one of the chaplains that day or at that time period, because this was 
a long time ago, like 27 years, something like that, you know, the other day. And, and he was, uh, uh, Oliver, the, the chaplain came in to visit with him, and the chaplain said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm on my way to heaven, and apparently I'm going to be there pretty soon. And he said, the chaplain just kind of backed out of the room. And I went by to visit him, and he said, you know, Pastor, I think that chaplain needs to get saved. You should go talk to him. That's the only memorial service I've ever preached on Christmas Day. His family was gathering together to spend Christmas with him, so they got together on Christmas Eve, and then he died. And they asked me, because the whole family was together, could I do the service on Christmas Day? And so we did. I did a memorial service on Christmas Day, and some of the family were not saved, and the saved ones were thrilled to hear their dad had trusted Christ, and the unsaved ones heard the plan of salvation and the love of Jesus Christ. Some people aren't going to listen. Let me think about this for a minute, okay? Jesus perfectly fulfilled the Scripture, perfectly expressed the Scripture, and people rejected him. You're not going to do it perfectly. You're not going to live it perfectly. People are going to reject. But don't let them discourage you from going to the others who might listen. Keep serving him. Don't get sidetracked. Love, follow, and worship the real Jesus. Christ triumphant. Worship the real Jesus. Have a personal daily time of worship. Tomorrow morning, if you're retired, you're not getting up for work, you're still getting up, right? Uh, and if, if you're, you might get up several times in the morning before you're actually up for good, right? Uh, but, but you're going to be getting up. And, and if you're getting up before you go to work, take a time just to worship God. And remember that Jesus Christ is the creator and the sustainer of life on earth. That he's our propitiation. He took our place. And he's our mediator, the one between us and God. And he's our Messiah. And he's the Christ. And he's our redeemer and our savior. He's our Lord and our master. And amazingly... He's even our brother because God has adopted us into his family. Jesus is the perfect brother, but we're connected with Jesus Christ for all eternity. And when we're worshiping God in heaven, we will be the ones that are the focal point, not the angels. The angels will sit back and watch the people created in God's image, the people for whom Christ died, and they will rejoice with us. But we will be closer to the Lord than the angels because that's God's plan for humanity. Jesus came to give us life a ransom for us, and we rejoice. He is our Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, 
or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.